the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. One of the things that I like to kick off shows on occasion is strategy is just as important as discipline. It's just as important as having rules and standards. One of the things that I saw in the most recent year was a doctor who had about 35 stocks in his portfolio. And what was odd to me was that there was no rhyme or reason. There was like an internet media stock. There was a semiconductor stock. There was a Chinese stock. There was a biotech company who's got the next great thing that's going to save lives. It's pretty random. It may have made sense to him, but it didn't make much sense to me. So I like saying that we should have standards. We should have protocol. We should have discipline. One of the things that I do is I, I do shows dedicated to people in their 20s. I do shows dedicated to women in investing. Women live longer than men. They need to have a different financial plan than men do. Or that needs to be incorporated into their plan with their man. If they have said man or their partner, you get where I'm going out with that. One area that I like to talk about is your 30s, because I think your 20s and 30s are the time where you can make some mistakes, but you have to be starting to move the ball in the right direction or pushing the ball down the hill. You have to start getting some momentum going. Life moves fast. Suddenly your 20s are over, right? Being a man in my 50s, I now think back of if I go back in my 20s and know then what I know now. Holy mackerel. So we're going to talk about your 30s right now because you are now a real adult. The past decade was all about life's changes and getting to know yourself, transitioning from living with your parents to living on your own, doing your finances on your own. You should know the basics of money in your 30s. I've done a podcast about investing in your 20s. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good broadcast. Um, I try to come up with commandments rules just to kind of give you the basic outline, because, again, you get to fill in the color, and that's the easy part. Having guardrails so that you can go down the path correctly is a little bit difficult for people, because sometimes they don't see it coming. In your 30s, you should start, number one, this is my first commandment. Or is it my 10th commandment? I go backwards. It's probably my first. Pay off your non-mortgage debt. Um. Debt is, I don't want to use a silly term like stupid, but debt is one of the things that stops people from getting financial momentum going. Your 30s brings financial responsibilities that you may not have had in your 20s. You might now have a mortgage. You might now have a family. Nothing frees up cash to meet those obligations like getting rid of debt. With that said, I still have mortgage debt. I just don't have consumer loans. I don't have student loans. I don't have credit card loans. There's no debt there. 
So more of my paycheck is going towards assets and paying my, for my real estate, my mortgages. I hope you paid off your credit cards in your 20s. That should have been a top priority. I did. Again, no shame here. I came out of college with credit card debt, which is weird because I didn't have a job. Well, I had a job sometimes in college, but I didn't have a job enough to really warrant racking up credit card debt. So in your 30s, you should be getting rid of that credit card debt. You should be getting rid of the student loans. You should be getting rid of auto loans. I took out an auto loan for the last vehicle I purchased only because I wanted to build credit. I knew it was a bad idea, but they were giving me a like a 1.9% loan. So I was like, okay, I haven't had a part of having a good credit report is having different types of credit used. It was kind of silly. It was kind of a vanity project for me. But paying off your non-mortgage debt, super important in your 30s. That's commandment number one. Commandment number two is kicking the debt cycle altogether. Um, it is why pay off your credit cards and your non-mortgage debt from commandment one in your 30s if you're only going to rack up more debt. An easy way to save for big ticket items and to avoid getting going back into debt is to put money you would have used for your debt and put it into a savings account. So if you're paying off your credit card at $200, $300 a month, you're really making sacrifices. You're packing your lunches. You're picking up shifts as an Uber driver or as an Instacart grocery fulfiller. I don't know what they called. A gig economy job. If you have an extra BJ gig on weekends, put that money into a savings account or into an investment account. Kick the debt cycle. Use that what you were paying for your credit card debt as building up an emergency fund. So if you had a $300 a month student loan payment, just transfer that to a $300 a month savings account. That's going to come up to $3,600 a year. If you had a $300 a month car payment, $600 is probably more realistic, right? And it's paid for now. You transfer that $600 straight into something psychologically that you're like a positive instead of a negative. It's an easy way of retirement, of saving for retirement. It's an easy way of like justifying that sacrifice that you make when you're no longer paying off a debt and you're putting it into an asset. Again, a savings account, an investment account, an emergency fund. It feels good. Next up on the 10 financial commandments is get serious about retirement. In your 30s, I'm going to give you a little leeway and say you had fun in your 20s, maybe a little too much fun. Suddenly you woke up in your 30s and you're, you know, your hair standing up, you're a little hungover. And you're like, where did my 20s go? Hopefully you started investing in a 401k, a 403b, or 457, a Roth IRA in your 20s, even if it was like 3% of your paycheck or 4 or 5%. Hopefully you started there. But now you got to get serious, got to ramp it up. No time to spare. 
Otherwise, you're going to work till the day you die. If you don't get it going in your 30s, you're going to work until the day you die, especially in this economy and this, uh, I'm going to say this bastardization of capitalism we have going on right now. That's not quite right. So get serious about investing. It's time to look at your goals and starting to fund them, putting a plan in motion. Those goals could be buying a house. Those goals could be getting married. Those goals could be having a kid. They could be paying for kids' college. They could be retirement and a second home. They could be a boat. I don't know what your goals are. Basically, you need to figure out when you want to retire in your 30s and how much money you want to have when you retire so you can start socking away that amount to get to that goal. I'm still on your side, but you got to use it. Don't be tempted to save your kids' college expenses instead of saving for your retirement. Your retirement's more important than your kids' college. Make sure your own plans are on track first. After all, there are loans to pay for college, but there's no loans to pay for uh, retirement. Waiting until your 40s or 50s on savings could come downright painful. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. You can be redundant. One of the things I do like about investing and talking about finance and retirement, saving and insurance. There's a lot of rules that are that are very simple and very repetitive and very digestible for the average person. For instance, only insure what you can't afford to lose. So when you start thinking about it, that's going to make sense to you. Give it a second. So your car, what are you insuring there? If it's a $1,000 car that's been beat up or a $45,000 car, you can't afford to lose that $45,000. So you insure it, right? Your health. Why do you get health care insurance? In case you get cancer, in case you have a heart attack. Those are both going to run you fifty to $200,000 out of pocket. And they're going to bankrupt you medically if you don't have health insurance. When it comes to life insurance, you're going to be told from one of your friends from high school or college, hey, Jimmy, uh, you have a family now. Don't you want to get life insurance just in case something happens to you? And they're going to try to sell you whole life or variable life. Variable, a whole life is going to last your whole life. You don't need it. How many 92-year-old people, or what's the average age now, 78? How many 78-year-old people do you know that are in the situation where they're like, uh, when I die, um, I'm living in a trailer right now. I'm eating dog food, and uh, uh, I want my, my children to get money. You're either poor at 78 or you're wealthy at 78. You're either living in a trailer or you're doing well. And there's some people in the middle for sure, but no one needs your money. Your children have grown up. Hopefully, they've done a good job of saving for themselves. Hopefully, they don't need your money. So you don't need a whole life policy. I had an in-law that um, uh, they lived in 92 and 95. And when they died, there was a farm. There was an oil well. Um, there was savings. There was homes. There was land that went to the children. And none of the children really needed it because they were in their 50s, 60s. And their their life had played out the way they should play out. You don't need a whole life. You don't need variable. And variable life is a little bit of insurance. It's a little bit of investments. You don't need it. You pay for the insurance, commissions and fees. You pay for the investments, commissions and fees. 
Yes. Your friend from high school is going to say, it's a great way to save because when the market goes up, you go up, but you don't get the dividends from the market, which is a big part of it. You get capped with a certain amount that you can go out. It's stupid. So what you do in insurance, if you're a financial person like me, you buy term life and invest the rest. Term life, when I was 20, I didn't have term life. You know why? Because nothing in my life mattered. I had girlfriends. In my 30s, I started to pick it up future wives and you know a mate that you're gonna make children with those are the people that you insure for they can't afford to lose my income so in my 30s i bought term life insurance for 30 years to last until i was 60 i was saving my 401k i was saving emergency funds i was i was doing everything i needed to do so if i died from age 30 to 60 what they would miss was my income i got 10 times my income Essentially 10 years, right? You can think of it that way. It's a stupid formula, but if you want to contact me, I'll help you figure out what's appropriate for you because you may have like three mortgages. You may have a child with special needs. There's issues where you want more than 10 times. But I got it till 60, and I'm not 60 yet, but when I turn 60, I'm not going to get more life insurance because I have saved enough of my 401k, my 403b, my 457, my retirement accounts, my emergency funds. My real estate has gone up. So you only buy term life and you invest the rest because term is the cheapest of the three. So let's get back to the 10 financial commandments in your 30s. We've hit pay off your non-mortgage debt. We've hit kick the debt cycle. Start being a saver instead of uh, giving credit cards the opportunity to gouge you. Get serious about the math of your kids' goal, of your goals and things like kids' college and uh, maybe a second home. You want to fund a nice retirement or an extravagant retirement. You want to do a lot of traveling or a little traveling in retirement. You got to get goals and you got to get numbers on them. And then you got to start working towards those. Number four is diversify your investments. Generally, you should aim for 50 to 55% of your portfolio in large companies. Evenly split between growth and value. 20 to 25% in small companies. Evenly split between growth and value. 25% in foreign companies. There you go. There's a allocation for your 401k. Now, for many, many years, the large cap companies did really, really well. And then there's some years where small cap and mid cap and international do really well in like two weeks and catch up. Rock, paper, scissors, I'd rather have diversification. Then have all my money in the Magnificent Seven or the tech stock du jours. You can do really well by being Babe Ruth and pointing to the fence and saying, this is going to be my home run. It's going to be NVIDIA. It's going to be Microsoft. It's going to be Apple. It's going to be Tesla. It's going to be Amazon and Alphabet. I totally get that. I just want you to be cautious when you do that. It's a home run or a strikeout. Mark McGuire didn't win a lot of World Series. The home run champs don't win a lot of World Series. When Aaron Judge broke the American League record, they didn't win a World Series. The teams that win the World Series are the teams that have a good first baseman, a second baseman who's clutch hitter, solid field, or a shortstop who never lets anything pass. A third baseman who could lay down a bunt as well as, you know, smack a double. You got to have a team of players, and they all have to cover different positions. If you're going to do well long-term as an investor, diversify your assets. 
coming to California in 2000, I saw a lot of people like real estate's the only thing I, I need. No, well, there's, I saw people go bankrupt in 2006, 2007, 2008. 10 financial commandments for your thirties is diversify. So you don't have too much concentrated risk. Commandment number five is continue to learn. This is a weird one, but I think now that you've got your earning power growing, you should get a little more education on investing, maybe a little more training for your job, maybe a little more personal development spiritually. 30. Always continue to learn. I got five more commandments to go through. I've got some more tips, hints, and tricks along the way. Stay with me. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I have a YouTube channel that has all of my television and my special content that's outside of podcasting, my professional content. And I'm going to have some new stuff there in the next year. So check it out at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. It's a solid website. YouTube channel is robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can always email me, rob at robblackshow.com or rob at robblack.com if that's easier. I got an email recently about my advisor sold my NVIDIA stock when I hired him, cost me $50,000 in potential profits. How do I deal with it? That's on you, my friend. If you hire someone to work with and you have a stock that you don't want sold, you say don't sell it. Even more importantly, you have communication about how the relationship's going to go. I own shares of NVIDIA. I bought it in 2022 when the stock market was getting rushed. I bought more of it is the right way of saying it. Because actually, I found NVIDIA back in the 1990s as I played video games on PCs. And video game acceleration was done through a technology called GPU, Graphic Processing Unit. And um, on my national radio show, I had... Greg Brady, Barry Williams on the show. And he was a board member of NVIDIA and he gave me one of their cards and I was impressed with him um, from his Brady Bunch things, but he was impressed with me with my knowledge of video games and like it's the 21st century television. My older brothers, they sat down and watched television all day. Uh, me, I got into Atari video games and I didn't really care about television Today, it's like TikTok. It's, and they don't even care about, well, the video games are still very, very, but anyway, you get the idea. Someone hired a financial advisor. The financial advisor sold the NVIDIA stock. Then the stock soars and the person feels ripped off. Um, when you work with a certified financial planner or anyone in the industry, you have to have two-way con communication. Otherwise, it's a bad relationship. I work with EP Wealth as the, a financial planner. They're, they have a financial planner with EP Wealth. <clears throat> and I have my own stock portfolio that cannot be sold. And then they manage a chunk of my investment assets that I don't even look at. A, I don't want to know because then it might influence me to talk about on this show. And it might influence me like, why do you own that? Or it might second. So you can't play second guessing. It just doesn't work that way. You actually may know more than the person you've hired to work with about a company you own. I have a doctor friend who he told me about a biotech company. I was like, why do you own this company? And I was looking at his portfolio. He's like, oh, I, I know some people who work at the company. And he knew some of the technology that I'm like, is this important? It's like, absolutely. So he would probably know more than me. So he shouldn't take my advice on that stock, right? 
So let's go over the 10 financial commandments in your 30s. Pay off your non-mortgage debt was number one. Kick the debt cycle altogether, number two. Number three was get serious about retirement in your 30s. You got to get some momentum going. You got to save more. You got to wipe out the debt that's dragging you down a little bit. You got to look at your life changes. Did you get married? Did you have kids? Did you not? So for me, I want 10 to 20 times my income because I spend a lot on a budget. For someone who's a dink in a relationship with a dual income, no kids, they need to save less. Worthy of note. Um, so diversifying your assets are important. I gave an example of 25, 50% to 55% in large companies, 20 to 25% in small and medium-sized companies, 25% in foreign companies. Now you can go 20% large, 20% mid, 20% small, 20% in national, 10% income, and 10% ever, whatever your heart desires. Um, and you fine-tune it based on where you see risk and not. I can help you with that. Come to one of my pints and portfolio. Come to one of my seminars that I do with CFP Chadbert and pull me aside and say, hey, can you take a look at my portfolio? Jim Cramer does a stupid little thing called Am I Diversified, which he says, give me five stocks, I'll tell you you're diversified. I don't think people limit it to five stocks. I think people have 10 to 20 stocks plus 10 to 20 different ETFs that they accumulate along their life. So number six on the 10 financial commandments to do in your 30s is protect your assets. This is a weird one. Um, the best laid financial plans can be derailed by an unexpected cost. So it pays to be prepared for a what if scenario. For most 30 somethings, that means having adequate homeowners or renters insurance, health insurance, and disability insurance. I want you to do an insurance checkup in your 30s. So renters insurance, protect what you can't afford to lose. If everything in your apartment sucks, you can afford to lose it. But if you have jewelry or clothes, you live in an expensive um, city, you probably have a little bit of something to protect. Homeowners insurance. Um, I've got a home. I've got many homes. Um, I've had many homes. I have two homes now. The idea. Well, I've got more than that because I got some rental properties, but you get the idea. Um, one had a roof that I forgot. Like, hey, I don't live in that market. I've never really seen how much rain or hail they get. I've never seen how the house handles water. And then someone said, hey, do you want me to do a free roof inspection? I'm like, sure. And they sent me some pictures. I'm like, you've got a 30-year-old roof. I'm like, what? wait, what? Because it's rental property. I never even thought about how freaking fragging a roof is. I'm not a great landlord, you can tell. But I called my insurance. There was some hail damage from the year before. We took some picture where you could see hail-sized golf balls. And basically, I got a roof done for my deductible. Not too shabby. So you insure what you can't afford to lose. If I had to pay for that whole roof, it would have been about 20000 But as it was, it was a deductible somewhere between one and $1,500. It's a rental property. Again, I don't visit it. But would I be upset if it had roof damage this year? I would. Will that happen? Nope. Daddy got a new roof. Don't you hate it when men refer to themselves as daddy? Me too. Disability insurance is something I have at work. Um, typically work plans are better than getting it on your own because work plans are able to get disability insurance for thousands of employees. If it's a big company, hundreds of employees of mid-sized company, teens of employees, if it's a small company and that group effort is able to get the cost down. I speak for a living and I, uh, I talk publicly for a living. Um, if I were to be in a car accident, my face defigured or I'm in a wheelchair, I'm like, maybe not a speaker anymore, you know? Maybe I, I don't have a home, that, an office that I can get around in disability-wise. 
So I have disability insurance. So if I get disabled right now, it covers 60% or let's say a stroke, right? Covers 60% of my income. It can't be oversold or undersold. It's a mathematical algorithm for the insurance companies. It's genius. Is it the first thing you think of about when you think about life insurance or uh, insurance in your life? No, we don't think about being disabled. And yet my odds of being disabled are greater than my odds of dying for the next 20 years. Number seven on the 10 financial commandments in your 30s is live simply. I've deferred a lot of gratification in my life, and it's not fun. In my 20s, I didn't. I, I was instant gratification. I was trying to find a woman to love me. I was like, let's go to Miami. Let's go to New York. Let's go to a Broadway show. And you're like, I thought you hate Broadway shows. I do. And maybe it's because I, I went to one or two of them in my life, right? So living simply is great. Um, I once broke up with a, a girlfriend once broke up with me is the right way of saying it. Um, out of college. It was one of my first adult relationships that wasn't college oriented, you know? And um, she basically said, you know, all I want to do is sit on the couch and like we could draw each other. We didn't have to like go out to dinner and go out to a movie and try to have the perfect, you know, love. She just wanted to slow things down with me. One of our best dates was um, we got a bottle of wine and we got two sketch pads and uh, much like that scene in Titanic, um, we drew each other, uh, sketched each other. And I still have the sketch of mine and she still has a sketch of hers. And it was great. It was incredibly romantic. It ended really well. And um, it's one of those memorable dates. Another great memorable date was walking in the rain. The East Coast has those warm rain showers that are quite memorable for getting wet. And then you have wet clothes and you warm up and... Ah, great conversations because the elements are kind of like saying, be you. So live simply. Look at your assets. Take a look at your spending. See if you can trim any of the fat. Small sacrifices lead up to big rewards. It's easy to get jealous of your friends who have a larger home, a bigger car, nicer clothes. Um, I got introduced to diesel jeans. It's the only pair of jeans I wear. I essentially own two pairs of them. Um, I'm very, very simple. I like wearing a black marmot winter jacket, a couple t-shirts underneath. I'm not extravagant. I don't have $400 pairs of shoes. I don't have a $800,000 Rolex. Not any interest in me to own anything like that. Um, I've got a truck that's got many, many miles on it um, because it helps with logging around my kids' soccer stuff. And when I need to go get, you know, soil, it's nothing extravagant. In your 30s, another financial commandment, commandment number eight, is make your will known because you will die. Many assume that wills are for people who are old, rich, married, or have kids. We've seen them in TV shows. I bequeath on my child nothing. I bequeath upon my lover who's 45 years younger than your mother. Everything. Wills aren't that dramatic. Wills can spell out your wishes in case you die. One. Um, if you have children, make sure you designate a guardian to care for them. Should something happen to both you and your other parent. Me and my 
spouse, we wouldn't get on the same plane together. And I wouldn't let her get on the same plane with me and leave the kids until we had the document and said, who did the kids go to? She wanted the kids to go to her sister. I wanted the kids to go to my sister. That's not exactly seeing eye to eye. So we had to figure that out through a will and through a trust before we moved forward on said same airplane. Commandment number nine is get a life insurance policy. Term life is the one to get. Um, 32-year-old non-smoking male, $500,000, 20-year term policy. could be done for $325 a year. It's cheap. When you're young, as you get older, it becomes more expensive. And the final commandment in your 30s is be charitable. Start learning how to give back to your community. It doesn't have to be money. It could be rewarding to be a mentor. It could be rewarding to go to your kid's school and volunteer. Those are the 10 financial commandments in your 30s. I'm Rob Black. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black talking about savings, talking about getting your retirement. It's a strategy show. Five reasons you'll blow up your retirement plan. It's pretty easy to see the mistakes people make. I've been doing this show and I've been working in the financial industry for over 25 years. And the same things happen again and again and again. A lot of people blow up their retirement plan because reality doesn't necessarily mix with retirement expectations. Disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. That's how people find retirement at first, a disappointment. You can find a gap between your expectation, reality, and your retirement lifestyle. I once wrote a story in college. I was a prolific short story writer and play writer. And that led me to working in the entertainment industry, which led me into saving more money because it's a kind of a shoddy business, which led me into financial planning, which led me not into financial planning, but into financial media, which led me into Become an investment advisor and then working with a financial planner, CFP Chad Burton, and going that direction. Your retirement reality versus what you get versus what you thought you were going to get, the difference between that distance is painful. I once wrote a story in college about a girl who had Down syndrome, and I didn't know that. But I was walking behind her and her dad, and her dad was walking her to a birthday party. And he, all I could see was this beautiful little six-year-old kid, ponytails, beautiful dress. And as I got closer and closer, I was like, you know, it's a single guy. And I was thinking about how my girlfriend just broke up with me, and life is not really working out. And as I passed, I was like, oh, boy, she's got Down syndrome. Um, and my image was incorrect in my head. I was like, beautiful girl, perfect life. Dad's happy taking his kid. And you know what? All those things were true. And it was a fictional story, but I want to try to story about what happens in life, what you get versus what you dream of. And I was transposing them about me being a single guy in my twenties and this guy being a 30 year old man with a daughter. And life is about the pain of what you think you're going to get versus what you get. He didn't have pain. I did. Him and his daughter were beautiful going to a party. This was kind of based on a true story, not quite. I was working in the, as a waiter in college, and I remember turning the corner and came upon a table where everyone had Down syndrome. I was like, whoa, 
visually that's something I'd never seen in my life. I don't know about sheltered. I don't know what, but everyone was happy and here I am miserable. So one of the ways you can blow up your retirement is being miserable or thinking about what you wanted. You want it to go through the pyramids. You want it to go to Paris. You want it to rekindle your marriage and versus what you actually get. And that could be living in a trailer park. It could be not having enough money for your medicines. And you just say, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to, Go to Paris anyway and run up credit card debt. I'm, I'm going to you know, drain all my money. And then you make it worse. Another way to blow up your retirement plan is you think you need a new identity. All these years you worked as a, a podcaster. And now suddenly you want to be known as like a, a sports gambler. Or you want to, you know, your second career is you want to be a traveler or an athlete. I don't mind people who play pickleball in retirement as long as they were playing tennis while they were working. I don't want to pick up too many habits too fast because you got to like work on that kind of stuff. It takes effort. A survey of Employee Benefit Research Institute of 2000 Americans aged 62 to 75 found just over four in 10 reported that they plan to spend down all or significant portion of their assets in retirement. You actually have to learn how to spend, too, in retirement. Another thing that can blow up a retirement plan in your retiree years is a health problem. Healthcare is one of your biggest retirement expenses. It's going to be at least $315,000 for an average couple. So if you only have a million dollars saved and you hit retirement with your spouse, let's take out $315,000 on healthcare costs. And that's not chronic healthcare costs. So that one million becomes six hundred and eighty-five thousand, right? And then the state of California you have a ten percent tax. So that takes it down to six hundred thousand, you have a sales tax of ten percent, so that takes it down anything that you buy. You have federal taxes. You can see that a million's not as much as you thought it was, right? You're talking about maybe half a million after you've been taxed. And paid your healthcare expenses. It's painful to see people in retirement not figuring out, oh, yeah, I forgot I was going to need a new roof when there was 12 inches of snow on it or there was a four inch rainfall that month. In retirement, you could blow up your nest egg by not having long term care. Somewhere in your mid-50s, you should start thinking about long-term care, maybe in your early 50s. Um, and the way I think about it is my mom needed three years of long-term care. My dad did not. My mom took care of my dad. Um, so I looked at it as one spouse needed another $350,000. So $315,000 for health care, $350,000 for long-term care. You can see how money goes quickly, right? Another thing that you could do to blow up your retirement nest egg and your retirement dreams is get a divorce. Divorce is common amongst older adults called the gray divorce. One. More than one in four people getting divorced in the United States are over the age of 50 now. And over half of those divorces happen after 20 years of marriage. Going from two people living in one house to one, two people living in two houses, 
it's a financial strain. Um, and I see it hurt a lot of people. Another thing to blow up your retirement plan is the world changes. 20 years of no inflation and three years of 7% inflation. Everything just blew up your retirement plan there. Everything just became more expensive and you weren't counting on it. Anyhow, if you have any questions about what I talk about, drop me an email, Rob at Rob Black Show or Rob at Rob Black.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at Rob Black.com. That's Rob Black.com, powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.